Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Every so often here at Business Creators Radio, we like to look at some of the holistic approaches to being successful as a business creator, how your physical success matches with your financial success. Here's what I want you to think about. Even with many accomplishments and financial success, many entrepreneurs and executives don't have the physical success that matches their financial success because of the dark sides of success and not using solutions tailored to their unique biology and demanding lifestyle. Let me say that again. It's because of the dark sides of success and not using solutions tailored to their unique biology and demanding lifestyle. I myself have an issue where I, people ask me, wait, you're really vegan? Uh, you know, you don't look like a real skinny type sort of <laughs> dude. And uh, what hap- the reason for that is my life is just too damn sedentary and there's a lot of stress involved in it. I teach people that one of the reasons you want to host a podcast of your own is it gives you the opportunity to not pick people's brains, but to help them share their message in a way that benefits everybody. And it's for that reason that I'm very excited to have with us today Julian Hayes II, who is the creator of something called The Art of Fit, The Art of Fitness and Life. His website is theartoffitnessandlife.com. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Julian is an author, a human performance advisor, an epigenetic coach, he's going to define what that means, and the host of his own show called Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, which is worth a listen. His initial journey began in the pursuit of becoming a doctor. However, he left after one year to pursue an even bigger dream. Now he's the founder of The Art of Fitness and Life, where the mission is to help entrepreneurs and executives become superhuman in life and business without the guesswork. Julian has also written nearly 200 columns at Inc., along with frequently being published over at Entrepreneur, Success, Chief Executive, Business Insider, Bodybuilding.com, and many more of the world's largest publications. Julian Hayes II, come on in. The weather's fine. What is up, Adam? How is it going? What be the haps? (laughs) So... Here's what we like to do here at Business Creators Radio, and our listeners know this. Uh, your bio is so impressive. Candidly, I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here, and it's my show. <laughs> what we like to do is we, we, we saw the official bio. We saw the, the, the press version. Now, what we like to do before we get into the main content, and I know you have some great stuff for us here today, is delve a little bit more into your journey and what passionately and brilliantly brought you to where you are serving your community market and audience today. So if you could tell us a little bit more about the things that have driven you and brought you to this, where we are at this moment. 
Yeah. So, you know, what got me to this moment started probably a little over 20 years ago now on the basketball court. And I played basketball growing up and, you know, we're running up and down the court. We're full of energy during those teenager years. And another older gentleman, much older than us, joins to play. And I'm like, okay, you know, he, he might be the guy that's just going to run up and down the court and just stay at three-point line, stay at the corner, just, you know, maybe be a three and D guy, you know, just catch and shoot. No, yeah. this guy, very athletic still, you know, very athletic. And I was like, wow, this guy is like a superhuman. This guy's a mutant. Who is this guy? <laughs> and the reason why I said that is because my initial upbringing, my initial paradigm was that once you get close to 30, everything starts going downhill from there. I know it sounds crazy to say, but that's what that's what I saw because I saw people they do okay in their teens and twenties, but then thirty hits and they start getting all these chronic aches and pains and there's chronic illnesses because I didn't come from a background that was the pillar of health and there's a lot of reasons for that and it's just nothing wrong nothing wrong with that it's just that we get info it's if you get the information you get it if you don't you don't but the point being is that this guy really changed my paradigm and what was possible so i had to talk to him after the the game and i asked him man um what's like your secret are you on something what are you doing and he's like no man it's just it's simple i you know age is just a number that we're giving but it's really the biological age it's really how you take care of yourself and the foods you eat the things you think the, the way you treat people the vocation that you have and it was a very basic answer and it was very unfulfilling to me. But I will say that planted a seed in me. Years later, I really started to understand what he was talking about. And so that moment started my journey toward health. And I started with, of course, changing my health, transforming my body. And it led me to medical school in New York. And when I was in New York, this is when the next paradigm happened. Um, people in New York, because I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. So New York's very different, to say the least. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's very different, to say the least. And I tell you, it sounds like it, like it felt like the movies. Every time I went to a coffee shop that I was to study, or I was out eating, or at a bar, somebody's pursuing a dream, some crazy dream. They're from Iowa. They're from all over the place. And they're in New York pursuing a dream. And there's something about that energy that almost like unlocked this other side of me that was just waiting to bust out. And I couldn't let that go. And I just sat in my anatomy exam. It's a three hour exam. And I remember looking up halfway, all the other students, they're sweating, they're, they're, they're stressing out on the exam. I'm daydreaming. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not in the right place. I'm not in the right place at all. I was still scared to tell people this. So I finished the year out. I come back home that summer and I just say, hey, I'm not going back. I want to be a writer and I still want to be involved in health somehow. And they're like, do you need to go do a drug test? Like, and I was like, what? I was like, no, I, I want to write. And I never told anyone that I wanted to write. I live vicariously through my artistic friends. And, uh, you know, over the course of the years, I learned how to write. I get involved with coaching more. I follow my intuition. I find mentors to learn about epigenetics and this crazy world of health that's rapidly moving and sounds like science fiction at times. And one thing leads to another. I get the opportunity to write for different magazines and I just keep exploring and following my bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say.
and yeah. that's how I ended up here. Okay, that is quite a story. I was destined for law school myself, and then what happened? My super senior year, which is that ninth semester, I added so that I could do a TA thing and also get to enjoy the benefits of being a Penn Stater for just one more semester. I attended a three-year, three-hour seminar taught by, he was actually one of the adjunct professors on campus, this high-powered corporate attorney. He was charismatic. He was mesmerizing. He drew you in. And by the time he was done, there was no way in hell I was going to law school. Because <laughs> he was just so real about what it, what, what it really meant to be an attorney, what it really meant to be an advocate. I'm thinking, this actually doesn't align. I went back and studied what gave me the idea that I wanted to be an attorney in the first place. Turned out there were two things. Number one, my dad went to law school but didn't finish. So maybe I was picking up his torch and carrying it at some level. I don't know. Uh, or it could be that when I was young, I had this dream of becoming president of the United States. And I got it in my head that a number of them had been attorneys. So I thought that would be a good place to start. Interesting. You know, yeah. Now, now, <laughs> now we now we know that to be president of the United States, you could also be an army general. You could also get an MBA. We crossed that Rubicon 20 years ago, so we finally got an MBA in there. Yes. And uh, then we also found out you could be a real estate developer and a reality TV show host, which you know speaks to the ability to influence others and drive things forward. So however you want to look at that. So between those things, between those things, it just kind of shattered the reason why I wanted to be an attorney in the first place. So I'm just sharing this to show that the things that we have believed to be our paradigms and our assumptions have the opportunity to be improved. Uh, I wouldn't want to be president because I also know that you know when you're president, you don't even get to go out for a, a cheeseburger or uh, you don't even go to, get to go to Chipotle really without having <laughs> the mayo. I mean, we found that out with the Obama when he started wanting to go to Chipotle that uh, Chipotle that he couldn't do it due to the logistics and the cost of moving him right across the street. Yes, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned what, what motivated you. One of the things that motivated me, this is gonna sound crazy about being a doctor, I love the show House MD. I yeah. love that show. It's a great show. <laughs> that seemed like so cool to be a doctor. So cool to be a doctor. Yeah. And that was one of the inspirations for me. Yeah. I can appreciate. I can appreciate that. Uh, that character, Gregory House, is very charismatic and can really draw you in, just like the the attorney whose seminar I attended. Yeah, you know, and it's it's just. I think that speaks volumes to the power of influence. Yeah. So let's dive in here. Despite being successful in business, and you gave me some points in the green room, and we may do them in order, we may mix them up a little bit, but just some <laughs> of the points you ran. Uh, that you gave us before we went live here, I think are just so great that I want to cover as many as I can. Despite being successful in their businesses, why is it that some entrepreneurs just seem to struggle with their health? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good reasons, but I think it all starts with, and I think you briefly mentioned it, what I call the success paradox. Yes. And if you think about this, um, as an entrepreneur, when you start getting more success, that's more revenue. Sometimes that's even more employees and that's more responsibilities. Oftentimes it's more stress because you might have more deadlines, more projects to deal with, and you still got your personal life. That's not going anywhere. A lot of us have, a lot of people have families and kids as well, or they're 
on the path to doing that as well. So that's a chunk of time that needs your attention as well. So when you add all of this up, the thing that unfortunately gets put on the chopping block at times is your personal wellness routine. And it's not because you, you, you don't think health is important. It's just that you have all these other things that are pulling you that this just unfortunately gets pushed to the side. And then that leads to the more, that leads to the less energy that leads to the reliance on maybe caffeine or energy drinks, or just being a little more moody around your partner and around your team, just because maybe you're sleep deprived or you just, you're super stressed out because you haven't taken any time to really just decompress and, and unclog all of that stuff that's going on in your brain. So there's a mental, emotional, and a physical issue that leads to this um, cascade of effects happening for you. Yeah, kind of where I am right now. Uh, there was a point where I was the picture of physical fitness. Uh, I've kind of plateaued at this certain level where I've been at for about seven years now. And as I mentioned earlier, it's just a combination of being too sedentary and dealing with some certain stressors. And I'm going through this right now. I'm actually walking into the success paradox. My business has increased by almost 40% in the past 45 days. It's awesome to hear. Years of things that we've been developing are all kicking in right now. We are crossing the Rubicons. We've been struggling to force ourselves across for six years now. It's happening. It's real. I've had to make some sudden and abrupt adjustments, adjustments, not only to my day plan, but my lifestyle overall. And it's actually kind of stressing me out a little bit that I really want to get back into physical fitness. I'm feeling that call of the gym. The thing, there's just two things. Uh, number one, I don't want it to interrupt my sleep pattern because I've had issues with that before. The energy of working out and then trying to sleep afterwards has been problematic for me. And then the other is I'm waiting for them to declare that we've made some sort of victory over this damn bug because the idea of me running five miles, which is something that even in my condition, I can believe it or not still do, while wearing a covering on my face is not happening. Mm. What, because, because I'll because I'll pretty much end up gasping by the time it's over. Uh, but I'll have that sense of accomplishment of holy hell, I ran five miles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's that's a unique challenge right now with with running because it depends on where you're located at. Yeah. So, so like where I'm at, I, I can run I run out. I don't have to run in a mask or anything. I can just run outside like normal. Yeah, I, I can do and I can actually do that a good part of the year. I'm located in Las Vegas, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the challenge with that is simply my current day plan only allows me to do it in the evenings. And we are right on the eastern edge of the Pacific time zone, which means it actually gets darker earlier. So when mm. we go out of daylight savings time, we go into the winter time, it can be quarter after four and it's already basically dark outside uh so not that i have big fears about that not that i live in, in a bad neighborhood but just that combined with it being the desert it can get really chilly here contrary to public belief if you haven't lived here uh it's a bit of an inhibitor give it a month or two once we go back into daylight savings and once we make our abrupt jump from winter to summer, which is basically how it works here, that won't be a big deal. I'll just have to be mostly concerned about staying very hydrated because we have the dry heat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, I'm the hydration is a big thing here when I'm, uh, I've, I've gotten into running as, as well during the last year or so, just cause I needed the extra challenge. And so, um, and I'll have to eat an insanely amount of food, but in the summer it's, um, hydration is a big thing as well here because of the heat and the humidity. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump ahead here a little bit since I alluded to it. We know, we know, duh, that sleep is critical to being an entrepreneur and a leader. What are the challenges that we face with getting a good night's rest and what do we do about it? Yeah. So, you know, when we think about sleep, um, I think a lot of times we think about why do we want sleep? And sometimes we think about the physical effects that it has on, on your weight and everything. And that's true. But as an entrepreneur, it, it's also affecting you mentally as well. And what I mean by that is, think about this. There's a lot of executive functioning skills that we need to do every day, making decisions, uh, our judgment, perception, and just being sleep deprived is going to throw that off. And there's research behind it. There's plenty of research studies now that have shown that, you know, after, you know, I think it's a week or two, no, two weeks, two weeks of just being sleep deprived. That's around six hours, six hours or less that you're going to have the same brain activities if you're being drunk. And then when we keep going around this, we look at our emotional intelligence and how that's related to sleep. Well, you have an amygdala, which is where a lot of our emotions is primitive. And then we have our prefrontal cortex, which is our logic and reasoning. And when you are well-rested, you have a nice equal balance of those. But what have brain imaging shown us is that when you're sleep deprived, activity is heightened in your amygdala. So it's heightened emotions, whereas activity is lowered in your prefrontal cortex, which is the logic and reasoning. And so what that looks like in real life is that you're going to be a person who's more emotionally driven, who's making decisions more often now that is based on emotions, your ability to just relate to people and to have um, conversations with people and perform is you're going to have a shorter fuse and that leads to less um, performance in that end. Now, to answer the second part of that question, when you talked about what can we do about it, the obvious things I'm sure we've heard of is caffeine. Stop your caffeine around eight to 10 hours before going to bed. That's important. One thing that's easy to do is to give yourself a consistent time to wake up and a consistent time to sleep. So you can help your body get on a, on a, on its, um, a rhythm to help your hormones operate more, um, optimally. And the two hormones specifically that I'm talking about here is melatonin and cortisol. So cortisol. Yeah. yeah. So when we hear cortisol, we think it, it's known as the stress hormone, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. We, we, we need that. It's good in it, the right amounts. And when we hear melatonin, we think of sleep it's, it's, and that's one of the big things, but it's also a great antioxidant as well to help our immune system. So I mentioned those two things because a big part of sleep is also our, how we use light. And what I mean by light is at nighttime, we have all these gadgets that have bright screens on them. And when we're using these late at night, what that doing is it's suppressing the melatonin and it's keeping cortisol going still. And so that's making it more difficult when it is time to sleep because we don't have the melatonin secreting when it's supposed to because we still have all this light indicating to our body that it's time to still be awake with all these screens. So I would look at those three, I would look at those three areas first and foremost, and find a way to look into blue blocking glasses. Um, there's a free program for your computer called F Lux. 
where you download that and you and um you can it'll, it'll it will decrease the brightness as the day gets later wow okay what's what's that called again can you say that so our listeners can capture it yeah f lux f l u x i believe okay. is how you spell it and that's a free that's a free uh, program and um so your screen will dim as the day gets later so that will help a little bit yeah uh and even with a lot of our apps we have today they have day no day mode and night mode mm -hmm. so you can switch it and make the screen darker which i've noticed is easier on the eyes there are certain apps like social media apps that i use on all of my devices and whenever they have a nighttime mode i found that if i switch them to night mode mm -hmm. uh then it's just easier on my view. So usually the screen is dark and it has brighter text on it, but it's not, it doesn't, like right now I have my laptop open and I'm flipping between one of your web pages, uh, my LinkedIn account and my Facebook account. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, as far as I know, it doesn't have a like a nighttime mode. So I see that big white brightness coming at me. If I go over to Facebook, which does allow me, even on the desktop view, to switch it into night mode, I, I, I feel a pressure easing from my eyes the moment I flip those two tabs. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And I will add a few more things, and this is more, um, those are more general things. And this is things that have helped me and may help some of the listeners as well, is giving myself at least two to, I would say two, two to three hours before my last meal in bedtime. And that's made big strides on the quality of my sleep. And I know this because I can track my sleep with one of the wearables that I wear. So that's a big one as well. Also for me, I cannot exercise too late in the day because I'm too riled up. Yeah, so that's, that would, that's the challenge I alluded to earlier. Mm -hmm. um, it's optimal for me to go to a gym at night because it's gonna be less crowded mm -hmm. and there's gonna be nothing on my schedule or in my life afterwards. Mm -hmm. So if I want to get really immersed in it and I want to do those full five miles or I really want to dive into my workout and I want to go do it at a pace that really just gels with me, I could sometimes be there for three hours, but it gives me the freedom to be there for three hours. There are times when I can be in and out in 25 minutes uh, and still do the full workout, but there may be times I really want to run with it. And when I get that feeling, I want to go with it. That's a great feeling. Yeah. It's and even and, and even when I and even when I'll run, uh, sometimes I can walk. I can put some music on and I can allow myself and my brain to go into those areas of creativity that you do not get when you're in work mode or doing mm -hmm. anything else. So something about walking and thinking. Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of um, I think there's there's been research on walking, actually, and and that very thing you're talking about. A lot of brilliant, you know, Steve Jobs is known for doing walking meetings. Yeah. I think, um, I think it was Charles Dickens, and I think it was a, f a few other guys in throughout history have been known for taking these long walks to um, help them think of a and help them break through on a project or a, or a creative venture that they're working on. So there's definitely something there with movement and creativity. Yeah. It just has to do with the power of inertia, I think is the simplest way to describe it. So funny thing, since we're discussing sleep, many, many years ago when I was first starting out as an entrepreneur, and I've been doing this for almost 20 years, I discovered sort of a hack if I needed to get, if I needed to get a decent night's sleep. And you're going to laugh at how awful this is. 
I would go to Papa John's and get a full order of their breadsticks and devour them. <laughs> that would knock me right out. But then, but then I'd wake up eight hours later feeling like I was on top of the world. Uh, it's a good short-term fix, but it doesn't. It's not good for your health at all. In fact, it's very bad for your health. I mean, at most, that should be an occasional treat for hitting some kind of milestone if you feel like it. Uh, more recently, I've discovered the power of using natural supplements that you can mm -hmm. get from places like Whole Foods that have melatonin as the critical ingredient. I can take one of those and I, I can actually set I can actually set a clock to it that within one hour of me taking that I will be out and then yeah. and then I can stay and I can stay out for a good seven eight hours without an interruption and I can awaken feeling great. One of the challenges that I've had is I'm naturally a night owl, not an early bird, but my current situation in business requires me to start at an earlier time than I naturally would because three of the days a week I have to meet with somebody at nine o'clock in the morning because that's the only time that that VIP client is available for her thrice weekly meetings uh, and then I have two days where I don't schedule any calls at all but I don't want to be starting at noon I want to be getting that full day in mm -hmm. and if I and if I were to switch into night owl mode for the Tuesday and Thursday then when I have to start early on Wednesday and Friday I'm going to have a serious case of that Chinese malady known as dragon ass <laughs> that you alluded to early with all the amygdala stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you were describing the thing, you know, the, the amygdala and everything else, mm -hmm. I was thinking of, you know, the primary symptom of dragon ass, which is I can stare at an email and it can take me 20 minutes to get the energy to click the reply button mm -hmm. and another 15 minutes to come up with a two sentence reply. Whereas when I don't have that malady, I can do that without even thinking about it. Yeah. It just, it just, it's, it's, like, it's like there's a governor on your brain, just like the governor that only allows your car to go so fast, no matter what its rating is, mm -hmm. that just no matter how hard you push on the gas, it just stops and won't let you go any faster. But with that malady, it, it puts it down to like 10 miles an hour. Very much so. And, you know, you mentioned the Papa John's thing and <laughs> that's carbs help you. Carbs help you go to sleep. They promote yeah. good relaxation. And so you could maybe not do as many breadsticks and you can do something like sweet potatoes if you like sweet potatoes. Yeah, that, that, that's an old tactic. Yeah. But, I, yeah. but I appreciate what you're mm -hmm. sharing here is if somebody gains benefit from taking in food like that, just think about the food that it is. And sweet potatoes, I think, are a great example. Are there any others uh, just so we can hit some other people's tastes? Yeah, it's, it's just um, carbs in general. That's why, like, if I, if I was helping somebody with a framework and it's a, it's a diet that allows more carbohydrates because there's different diets out there. So yeah. for my, I'll use myself for an example. I have a pretty carbohydrate-heavy diet. So I have – my dinner has a lot of carbs in it. And that's also the signal that my day is over also and i'm giving myself a few hours to let that food digest but the carbs is going to help me sleep as well because there's a lot of beneficial hormones that those carbs are going to help elicit out and then you also mention melatonin another good supplement which um you know this is not for everyone it's um it works differently for us. We all have different bodies, different genetics and all this. But typically, if you're looking for a supplement, you hear about magnesium. There's a, yep. there's a tons of different types of magnesium. Probably the best type of magnesium 
to help with sleep and relaxation is magnesium glycinate. So I would look for yeah. that. I would look for that type of magnesium when it comes to resting at night. Yeah, it's it's funny. The supplement I take uh, includes both that and melatonin. It's probably awesome. why it works so good. Yeah, yeah, awesome here. Yeah, those are, those two are very good. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of different types of magnesium. So just want to, listeners to kind of have that cleared up. That when you see magnesium, look at what type of magnesium it is. Yeah. Now that we're delving into nutrition a bit, uh, you alluded to a couple of things like we all like there are many different diets out there and there's the issue of matching a diet to who a person is and how they function so going along those lines what do you see as some of the common mistakes that people make with their nutrition probably the biggest thing the biggest thing is eating is using a diet eating by a diet instead of eating by a framework and that might sound like the same thing but there's a subtle difference there. Okay. When you think about a framework, there's a philosophy established within that. There's rules and guidelines that helps you navigate no matter what. And what I mean by that is think about if you're traveling. So here's the idea of a framework. So when I travel, for example, I never have two bad meals in a row, quote unquote, bad meals in a row. Bad meals is gonna be different to each of us because we have different goals and everything. But I have, I have established what a bad meal is for me or non-ideal meal is. And I never have two of those in a row. So I let myself enjoy wherever I'm going, but I don't do two of these in a row. You know, so for someone, for example, they could say, I have three meals every day and a snack. Or I have a smoothie for breakfast every day. You know, little things like that to establish, to take the guesswork out of what you're doing. It's one thing to say, I do keto but there's a lot of different types of ketos and what's the framework and structure to executing that keto throughout the day. Cause like you mentioned, you got a lot of moving pieces around. And so you don't want to have to be thinking about food while you're trying to think about the emails that you're reading and then the calls that you're having to do. You want to right. go ahead and have this system and standard of performance set up so you can just execute it flawlessly. So that's the biggest thing. And secondly, I would say to add on to that, is I think we I think a lot of times we eat and we follow the trends. So we don't think about our genetics or what inherently feels good to us. We a lot of times use external metrics, external people to determine what type of diet that we're going to follow. Yeah. I think I think there's and there's also so much stuff out there. Uh, we hear about the food pyramid uh, that's promoted by the government and some nutritionists have looked at that food pyramid. You may have an opinion on this, you may not, that say, wow, that's interesting. And I can see the lobbyist dollars all over that thing. <laughs> and then when you and then when you look at Canada's uh, version of the food pyramid, and I'm not sure if even if it's changed as a pyramid, but they have a different type of chart that is way different from what the United States does. Mm -hmm. And yet Canada still manages to be a country. Yeah. So, wait a minute, so wait a minute, they're not loading up on like these four different food groups. They're looking at the idea of food groups entirely differently. And they've got like at least a portion of their population that hasn't died yet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm being extremely facetious because I know yeah. we actually have a listener base in the Toronto area uh, mm -hmm. where some of my friends are. So the, I'm sure they're laughing along with us. Yeah. You know, uh, the food pyramid's very interesting. Um, I'm a very nice guy, so I, I don't. Yeah. I, I I never really bash things, but there there's a lot of 
I think that's in America in general. There's a lot of lobbying. And even with the commercials you see on TV about health, you don't see these type of commercials in other countries with medications and, and that type of stuff. And so what I, you know, thinking about the food pyramid, the food pyramid is probably good for someone who's, who exercises just like a ton and can have no problem taking in all those carbs. But yeah. for, the, for the typical person, so for me, the food pyramid's probably okay still. I don't really, I'm not really, I don't really like dairy and all that, but for somebody like me, yeah. it's okay to take in all those carbs because I, I train a lot. Right. But for the typical person, it's, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing to follow. It's a very terrible thing to follow. And I typically don't speak in absolutes, but in that I do because the intake and the types of foods that they're recommending doesn't match up with your activity. That's the thing. So like right now we're snowed in crazily for some reason in Nashville, which makes no sense. Yeah. You know, but we are. So today I'm not running six or seven miles and going to lift weights. So I'm not doing any of that. So my intake is dramatically decreased today. And when I typically decrease my intake, it's my carbs that is going to be lowered. So my protein stays consistent. My dietary fat stays the same. I always, I'm not plant-based, but I am plant-based. So like the majority, the most of my meals, the biggest portion is still vegetables. Even if I'm not yeah. quote unquote uh, vegan or anything, I still yeah. plants. And, and then the amount of starchy carbs, like rice and sweet potatoes that's going to decrease because i'm not really being active today cow hater you know uh <laughs> <laughs> you let you laugh because you know where yeah. i'm go going yeah. with that the whole thing that uh vegetarians and vegans are starving the cows because the cows eat the plants yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, there's, I just... al there's also the secondhand vegetarian uh my food is vegetarian so that makes me a secondhand vegetarian <laughs> no. you know you know speaking you know i i um i with the dairy i just don't tolerate dairy as well and my genetics yeah. my genetics indicated that as well and same here yeah same here dairy, dairy has not worked for me since i was a kid it made me feel awful mm -hmm. it, i mean when i when my family went out for pizza when i was growing up they had to get a separate pie for me that didn't have cheese on it mm -hmm. yeah you know sometimes i break the rule i'm just like what the heck well, you know whatever i'll i'll eat this you know but i feel it i feel it yeah i feel it but sometimes i still want i still want the pizza and i i'm there's a lot of healthy alternatives you can make for pizza but i'm gonna be honest with you i'm, I'm fairly lazy yeah i'm fairly lazy so just let me order the papa john's if i'm gonna eat a pizza well yeah at that at that point it's a treat and if you don't treat yourself once in a while what are you really living for as i love as i love to say whether or not you believe in incarnation, you only get to do this one one time. If you believe in reincarnation, tell me who you were in your past life, prove it to me, and tell me who you're going to be in your next life and demonstrate to me how you already know this. Yep. You so don't. Better to be safe than sorry. So exactly. This consciousness that I have right here, I, I don't, I don't, you know, this memory of Julian, I don't think I'll be able to take with me. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get all of it you know, out of it as I can. And the good news is when we have these foods that we enjoy, the more that you take, the more that you stick to these healthy behaviors, the more you exercise and, and have proper sleep, the easier it is to eat these foods and not have any side effects at all. Because yeah. when you, when you get a, when you get ample amounts of sleep and then the next day, say you eat a couple pieces of cake, your body is able to process that glucose that's coming yeah. from the cake much more efficiently than if you were sleep deprived.
Yeah, that's another way of looking at it. So using food is like a turbocharged fuel to keep you awake longer than you should be. Or when you really, what you really need is a good night's sleep is actually detrimental. But if you have that good night's sleep and then you decide to indulge on a couple pieces of cake, it's actually not going to be as bad for you because you're going to be in an optimal position to process that better. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. This is not a this is not a eat all the cake you want free card. Right. Yeah, but the point is like one of the big reasons why people wonder why does lack of sleep lead to weight gain? That's one of the reasons. It's because you're not able to process the a lot of times the, the carbs that is coming in. You're not processing that as efficiently when you're sleep deprived. You're also we talked about decision making. You're all, that's likely leading to the food binges. And when you're food binging, you're picking something that's sweet and that has the dietary fats in it as well. So it's not necessarily sugar that leads to weight gain like people talk about. It's the combination of it's the foods that are high in sugar and also high in the dietary fats as well, like a donut, for example, or chips or candy. They're high ice cream. They're high in fat and they're also high in carbohydrates as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really some that's really revelational and i've also noticed that since i've been making the moves in the past six weeks or so to optimize my sleep patterns i've lost a waist size Mm -hmm. with no other changes no changes to my to my meal plans no changes to my lifestyle otherwise but just the idea that i'm consistently getting a good night's rest every night a waist size just disappeared yeah that's i'm not shocked to hear that yeah um I, it's it's too crazy of a claim to make, uh, but I mean it's a very good headline that I'm sure a copywriter might say is that you can you can sleep your way sleep your way to being thin sleep your way to losing weight, um, you know you can work on that headline a little bit, but you can actually do that because also being sleep deprived as we talked about hormones, there's a lot of different hormones that function and you're going to retain more water, so I don't know if listeners maybe listeners can kind of keep this in mind one time. Have a night of sleep deprivation and then wake up and see if you feel just a little heavier, like you're carrying a little extra water. Yeah. And then then have a night of getting a full night's rest and then see how you feel the next day. You can even see this kind of with your belly sticking out. Even this happens with me too. I can see, well, I wake up one day if I have a short amount of sleep. I'm like, did I gain weight or something? Uh My my stomach's like poking out a little bit. It's a little puffy. And then you have the next night you sleep the optimal amount and you're like, oh, I'm thinner. And that's just, that's, you know, your body's, I call it performing alchemy, working magic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say it's those things because you're not retaining as that water, you're not retaining as much water. Yeah. So, you know, you know, as I, as I've shared before, as I've shared uh, with on several episodes of the business creators radio show, my version of intellectual junk food is going on prepper forms and reading post-apocalyptic fiction. <laughs> and when you get into these stories, you see how the people who have survived the SHTF event or the end of the world as we know it event are now living a lifestyle that is in fact largely sedentary because sometimes they can't leave their house or they can't leave their properties. They don't get the same exercise and they have really weird sleep patterns because you may have only four people in that readout but they have to have 24-hour security to stave off whether it's marauders uh, or packs of wild dogs or zombies. Somebody's got to be awake 24 hours a day in case the raiders come. Uh, if you have four people there, you're going to have some really weird stuff going on with sleep. 
And yet, as you read the stories, you find out about how with uh, severe limitations on their food, severe limitations on their sleep and everything else, they still managed to say, wow, when did I get buff? How did this happen? So to me, so to me, what that tells me is it goes back to what you said earlier, is looking at your lifestyle and how your food plan or your diet plan or your meal plan is going to accommodate that. Let me link that to the real world. What happened in 2020? All of a sudden, folks who were used to moving around mm -hmm. couldn't leave their house or were afraid to leave their house because of little particles floating in the air, which means they weren't moving around very much. And a lot of people gained a lot of weight. They, I mean, when we were in college, we heard we knew this thing called the 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 uh, freshman fifteen. And in this day, <laughs> we hear of the COVID twenty. Yeah, COVID twenty, pandemic pounds. We hear, yeah. we hear we hear all sorts of things, and you know that just shows you that there's activity like working out at the gym. But I always remind people, it's not necessarily gaining weight a lot of people necessarily didn't gain weight last year just because they didn't work out and go lift weights three four times a week because that you're not really burning a lot of calories lifting weights right it's it's the other activities it's the the walking back and forth in an office or co-working space it's walking throughout the city it's just being more active throughout the day and little things you don't notice now we sit so much now and you still eat the same way as if you were doing all this other stuff that's the difference. Yeah. It's the disconnect between your lifestyle and nutrition right now. And you're still eating with that nutrition as if you had the pre pandemic lifestyle. Right. Right. So going back to my post apocalyptic stories, part of the reason they were able to get so buff is because there wasn't as much food and the fact that they didn't eat as much matched their corresponding significant and sudden drop in physical activity. Mm -hmm. And the human body is, it's the human system, I should say, it's very resilient and it will adapt to whatever you're giving it. It doesn't mean it's optimal, but it will adapt to help you survive whatever the occasion is. That's the beauty of it. That's the reason why we can be sleep deprived and still think we're functioning okay. You can be good. It doesn't mean you're, you're, optimal right now or even at the enhanced stage but you can function still you can starve yourself and you're not going to die per se you're just not going to be in an optimal state and i think that's the difference when we think about um when we think about health here and when we, when we think about shortening sleep we don't see the long-term effects of things we don't see inside cellularly what's it doing to us we only see outside like oh i feel okay and everything yeah. so I must not be doing anything. And the only way to see that type of stuff is to really go get testing and blood testing and all that type of thing. Yeah. I've expounded upon something else in social media. We're going to come back to the blood testing stuff in a few minutes because that's also very important. I've expounded a lot on what I call the pandemic of the pandemic, which is Zoom fatigue. <laughs> so, and so, in your, so in your estimation, I, I first of all, I just want to ask you open-ended. What do you think causes Zoom fatigue and what would you recommend to somebody? Because that can lead to all kinds of stuff. That was affecting me big time about a year ago. Oh, man, Zoom fatigue. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I, 
we 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 covered the yeah. we covered the blue screens and mm -hmm. we covered the the sedentary uh, aspects of our lifestyle changes. But you, there, there's there's so much on Zoom fatigue. There are actually scientific studies on it now. Oh wow! Specifically, Zoom yeah. fatigue. Interesting. Named named after a particular <laughs> software that we use. <laughs> you know, I, I think with Zoom fatigue, and I, I don't know. I think some days maybe I've had it in the past. And I may have not noticed it because I didn't have consecutive days, but I think it's finding a way to to carve out some space to where you're not doing, where you're just not doing it back to back to back to back. Yeah, I think that's one thing is that you have no time to really decompress. It's one call after the other. You know, if you think about real estate agents, for example, before the pandemic, they they would have meetings all day, but they're not back to back because typically they have to drive somewhere else. Yeah. So they have that break to decompress to regather their thoughts, relax, maybe even take a snack or, or whatever. And now you don't have that. We, we're always obsessed with efficiency and optimization, which, you know, I'm a little guilty of this. But yeah, talking about Zoom fatigue here is like, I have a call from two to three and then I have a call right at three that's waiting for me. So I'm going to stop at 2.57 so I can have three minutes to get ready for this next thing. Yeah. So what if it's just giving yourself a little break? Maybe not having, just finding a way to give yourself a little break. So maybe not having calls just back to back to back. And also, if possible, we have this thing called the telephone still. And so not every, Zoom, not every Zoom meeting, especially if it's not, if it's just audio, why don't we just do a phone call and I can walk while talking. And then I get, yeah. the, benefit, I get the benefits like I talked about earlier of walking and my creativity at the same time, while I'm also getting physical exercise and movement as well. Yeah. And I'm also not glued to a screen because it is exhausting and it's fatigue on our eyes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if you're doing it while walking, smartphones have Zoom apps. You can use it just like a phone. It'll draw off your data plan. So mm -hmm. just up your data plan if you don't have a really big one already and you can do it that way. You said yourself, they don't have to be video. Uh, I... You get that pushback all the time. Well, you really should show your face. It's more, it's better for communication. And I argue it's worse for communication. Here's why. Let's say you and I, I mean, right now, actually, you and I are on Zoom, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's say that you and I were in the same place at the same time. We were sitting down somewhere having a conversation. And that conversation could go on for 15 minutes or it could go on for five hours. During that conversation, would it be natural if we occasionally had little pauses or if we weren't rapid fire talking right back at each other? Or if you asked me a question and I took a minute to think about it, would any of that really seem weird to you? No. Now, imagine looking at somebody on your screen and all you see is their head and shoulders and they are aimed <laughs> right at you and they pause for a minute. Yeah. What, how does that make you feel? It's a little different, especially if you don't have the initial report with them to even know Then you might think, oh, did I say something? Are they not feeling this message? What's going on here? The, and yeah. Uh, and then did the Internet go down and all other sorts of things? Mm -hmm. So if you and I were sitting next to each other and it came to a moment where there was just a natural pause in the conversation, and sometimes that's expressed by, well, you know, you know, we just look around for a minute while one of us looks for the next thought or, or we both just find ourselves scanning our phones to see if anything new is coming up or whatever it is. Nothing that feels totally natural. So if we were in a situation where you asked me a question and uh, I wanted to think about it for a minute, 
you would probably notice that I, my head would lower and I would lean back in my chair. Mm-hmm. And I would appreciate it also. And that, because- would, and that would signal to you in ways that you're not even consciously processing that that is my nonverbal, because that's a very common nonverbal in that situation that says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, give me a minute. Mm-hmm. But if you're staring straight at somebody on a screen and they're looking right at you, it's like, come on, what's the answer? Exactly. Don't just, yeah. don't just stare at me, Test say something. <laughs> yeah, and that's, when you do that, you're not really listening because you can't, because a lot of times when we do that on video, you're already thinking about what to say to respond. Whereas in person, you can let someone talk and have this pause like you're talking about. And I could think about it and then give a more effective answer. Right. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. That and, and there's actual science to back that up, that the issue with Zoom communication, particularly the video side of it, is it artificially interferes with the natural feedback loop that comes from nonverbal cues in interpersonal communication. Mm hmm. So the common advice when you start feeling that is just simply not use the camera. Yep. I, I, I like to tell people, no matter what people say, you don't have to use your camera. No, and you let, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, if, I'm, if I was on a podcast somewhere where somebody else was hosting me and it was a video show, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put a nice shirt on and I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my thing because they are graciously inviting me to their platform. So I'm going to play by their roles, mm-hmm. but for like, you know, other types of conversations, it could be a phone call. We don't have to have the video. No, no, we, we really, we really don't. So, and if, and I, and I, I'm about to reveal a secret here. And if somebody listening to this finds out about it, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask, why didn't you realize this already? There are some folks, uh, sometimes they're coaching clients, sometimes they're, uh, sometimes they're people that I interact with in, in networking groups or what have you, that uh, you know, they you know, will have the cameras turned on. But what they don't know is that I've downsized the screen so I can't actually see them. So I'm not allowing myself to be, have their patterns interrupt me because you know, the full view isn't there. And if it if it doesn't look like I'm staring right at the screen or I'm leaning back or or we're looking the other direction or staring down or what have you, I don't really care if they see that or not. I want to keep that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> it's a because the way I look at it is if we were actually face to face, you'd be seeing that stuff anyway. Yep. Yeah, if you and I were sitting next to each other, we wouldn't have eye contact the entire time. In fact, probably for a significant portion of our conversation, we would both be looking at the same thing, not at each other. Yeah. And yet the conversation would continue on. I've never thought this much about Zoom fatigue now, and you just opened up a whole new world for me to think about. One of the goals of the Business Creators Radio Show, and this is how we know we've done our job, is when our listeners can tune in and feel like they're sitting in on a private mastermind session, I like to learn from you and I like the opportunity for us to be able to share with each other. I think there's a mutual benefit to this. And this is why everybody in business should be hosting a podcast. That's a little shameless plug for my reach system. But anyway, uh, let's get back to you. Uh, you have this thing called um, epigenetics. Mm-hmm. So what is that? And why should listeners care about it? And, and also, is this where we get to the blood testing stuff? 
Oh, no, that's different. Um, that all, oh, then, we mean, still have, then we still have two things to cover here. Tell us about <laughs> epigenetics and then tell us about the, uh, the stuff that you do for testing to help people find their optimal optimization. Yeah, so uh, epigenetics is um, a formal definition. Epigenetics uh, means above the gene. But an uh -huh. easy way to think about this is genetics is the hardwire and epigenetics is the software. So the hardware to run needs those informational inputs that tells it what to do. That's where epigenetics comes in. And so to paint you another example, your DNA is the ingredients, your epigenome. This is the recipe that informs how these ingredients are mixed that's going to make that specific meal. So when you have it, when you know your genetic code, this helps you take the guesswork out of your health optimization. So what does that mean practically? So think about this. We have a queen bee and what makes her the queen bee? out of all the others in the hive. And there's only a few things, it's lifestyle modifications. It's the special type of diet that she gets. So she eats the royal jelly and it's also where she resides in the hive. Those two things makes her the queen. So for what that means for you is that your DNA is not your destiny. It's just a code of possibilities. And the possibilities are up to you. And that depends on the daily choices that you make in terms of the foods you eat, the way you exercise, the way you breathe. Just like the guy told me when I was 14, he was briefly describing epigenetics, even if he didn't understand that. And so when you know your unique genetic code now, I can craft my diet, my sleep plan, my supplementation plan, my environmental detoxification plan, all of that can be more precise because I know my um, genetic code, which helps me do the right inputs to express optimally. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So uh, you were alluding to earlier in our conversation about some of the testing we do and some of the other things that help us identify what those correlations are and how we know what it works best for us. And I've mm -hmm. heard about this stuff when it comes to natural health and holistic health and functional medicine. So I want to get your take on that as well, because I think that is important as entrepreneurs help to find their unique path. Mm -hmm. to matching their physical success with their financial success. Yeah, so I, th I think you were mentioning about the, the function, um, functional medicine testing and, uh, and yeah. blood testing. Those, all those things are great. And I look at it as if our human body is the system itself, these are all just different inputs. And it helps take even more guesswork out of us optimizing our health. So I love to see those things because, as I mentioned, your genetic code is not your destiny. I have certain things in my genetic code that would indicate that I have a propensity for, say, um, diabetes or blood sugar issues. I should say blood sugar issues to be more politically correct. So blood sugar issues. Yes. And looking at that, if I take that directly without looking at anything else, I would cut back on my carbs because a lot of people think carbs equals lower carbs equal lower blood sugar problems. But I have the blood test to also go with that and see, let me check my fasting insulin. Let me check my A1C. How does that look? And it looks good. So that's where you add all those inputs. You get as much data as possible, which is what I like to do. I get as much data as possible before ever thinking about crafting a plan and then throw it all in the whiteboard and then see where you exactly are now and then see where do you want to go and then you start crafting the plan a lot of times we jump and we just start shooting but we should pause and learn how to aim and be more precise 
because we have to, because a lot of us live a very time constrained lifestyle. So that's where all those things come into play and are beneficial. Yeah. And I think that right there is kind of where we were looking to wrap this up. So that's fantastic. At this point, we're near the top of the hour. So I wanted to turn the floor over to you for one moment. I imagine there are some successful entrepreneurs out there who really want to match the physical with the financial success and break out of whatever it is that is causing them to fall short of what you like to call being superhuman in life and business. So where does it go from here? Like, uh, what do you have for them? How do you, they get a hold of you and what do they have to look forward to, to once they do that? Yeah, you could just go to my home base at theartoffitnessinlife.com yep. and it would have everything there. So it'll have links to the podcast. It will have links to jump on a call with me if you want just to talk about your health a little bit and, and see if there's something I can help you with. And sometimes it's redirecting you to somebody else who I think may be better to, um, able to serve you. So, um, so yeah, so at artfitnessandlife.com, you'll find everything. And then if you just want to personally reach out to me, feel free. It's Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N at theartoffitnessandlife.com. All right. So this, this has been fantastic. And I've learned a few things from this. And I hope that, and I trust that our listeners may find a few aha moments within this that show them some of the gaps between their goals and their current situation and how they can create more linkages between physical success and financial success. So Julian Hayes the second, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you so much, Adam. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.